clinical disclaimer. This podcast is focused on education and entertainment. While we love to help and teach, it is not meant to be used as a replacement for clinical services. If you are experiencing significant relationship issues or major concerns in your sexual, physical, or mental health, please seek the services of a professional provider near you. Welcome to the University of Pleasure, where we have sexual conversation to help build a happier nation. I'm Dr. Tara Jansen, licensed psychologist and certified sex therapist. And I'm Jeremiah James, and I'm just a guy who likes talking about sex. And I like sex and talking about it. So it's kind of like, you know what I mean? It's like, I like it and I like talking about it. So it all works out. Right, Doc? How riveting. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I thought so. I was, you know, just kind of going with a play on words there. Just keeping it rolling, keeping it rolling, keeping it fresh for you, mostly, Doc. Fantastic. And we're back here at the University of Pleasure. Thank you to all of our millions of fans all over the world to tune in with me and the Doc, the Doc and me here at the University of Pleasure. It's all about learning. I'm going to skip a couple of things today. I'm not going to go into it. Everybody knows the Amy book's coming. A date is coming. We're going to skip over that. We're hoping everybody's staying safe with this new Delta variant out there. I'm not lying. I don't, it's not political to me at all. I don't want to get sick. I don't want to get other people sick. So I'm wearing my mask again, Doc. You're lucky that mm -hmm. I'm not wearing my mask right now while we're filming each other, because that's how like hardcore I am. Even though you're not here in the room with me and we're doing this virtually, I would still wear my mask just so you felt safe and I felt safe, even though I'm alone. And I know that sounds maybe a little over the top, but this new Delta variant, man, I feel like it's like a demon hiding in a bush ready to get me, even though I'm fully vaccinated. So everybody, please wear your mask, stay safe, do it for yourself and others. Just want to put that out there because I really do want to get back to a place of normalcy. And really, we do plan in the future to do some live events, which is going to be such a blast. The doc is apoplectic. She's so excited about it. It's crazy. <laughs> so good to see you. Your schedule has been crazy. Because it has been very crazy. Yes. We're all losing our minds. We're all afraid of a lot of stuff right now. And the world's reopening. And then yeah. at the same time, is it reopening? And then are we all going to die? Like, I mean, there's a lot of shit going on right now. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm not going to lie. It's been a tough year for mental health. So yeah. thus, you know, I think we got a decent topic today that's very apropos. Yeah, well, that's exactly where I see where see how I was doing that. See how I was leading to the topic like that totally off the cuff. That shows you I'm even I'm like. Sometimes I just get so in the cut, I don't even realize I'm doing it. And I was totally doing that completely from a, like a, a, a completely organic place. It, and it then, felt great. And then what my favorite thing about that is, is that that was organic, but then the follow-up exposition <laughs> made it a little, <laughs> a little less organic. Well, I, because then like I was thinking about it. Yeah, I was explaining the joke because it felt, I was, there was, it was genuine. Then I was like, Going into the joke, then I need to explain that I was joking a little bit, but at the same time, listen, it's a flow, okay? It's a flow. That's all I'm going to say. I hope Great. I'm not making anybody anxious, which is what this episode's about. How'd you like that? How'd you like that? So fantastic. So fantastic. 
You know what's really fantastic is being able to hear you as well as I do right now today. It I don't really... want to talk about it, Jeremiah. Oh, you don't I don't want to talk about, about it. You don't want I don't me to bring it up? This is an appropriate place. Okay. No, really... it's, yeah, it's no big deal. You, you think of somebody <laughs> that was a doctor, you know, knew which direction Mike was. I am not a doctor of microphones, man. <laughs> God, it couldn't be helped. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I had to. I absolutely. You don't understand, fans out there. The last episode, Doc sounded strange, and I couldn't figure out why she sounded like she was like in, you know, a hallway and like with an echo. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be a lot of surgery here on this episode. And then we got on today, and I'm like, we got to double check this episode to make sure your button is turned right on the microphone. It's a multi-directional microphone. The doc had the microphone backwards. She had the right button turned, but the microphone was turned but the wrong isn't way. isn't what counts is that it's been in the right direction for most of the episodes? Yeah, 100%. Not nearly all. 100%. And I just... <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Want to say... Like, you know, it was an know, error. Uh, an error of not paying attention. It, listen, you are stretched thin, okay? As we were talking about before we jumped online here. I mean, you are busy, busy bee. Even when we first met all the way back when I was like, so, you know, like we should get together and, you know, talk more about the podcast. You're like, okay, after I'm done saving the world over here and then doing these other things and then these other things that help me, like, I'm like, I don't, I don't know what's happening. Do you have time? I don't know. Like <laughs> you're more busy than any other human I know. And I'm super busy and super important. So like the fact that you just leaps and bounds over me. You blow my mind. You are a rock star. It's actually a compliment. I couldn't keep it all together. So that kind of goes yet again, back to what we're talking about this episode. And here's the topic. Who me? Anxious? No way. Yes way. Settling the nerves for better sex. Myths, tips, and tricks. How was that enunciation? That, that was, was good great diction. diction. Right? Thank you very much. What the audience doesn't know is I totally botched it the first time around, so we had to go back and re-record it because it was a total tongue twister. So a little bit of behind the scenes for our fans out there. Um, but I did it better that time. Listen, I was an actor and I studied diction. So you're welcome, world. This actually is important for so many reasons, because when I have been in many, 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 many situations where nerves played a major factor into uh, the sexual adventure I was being a part of, whether it was my nerves or somebody else's nerves. And even as a cisgender man, you know, like I, nerves can cause ED and blah, 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 a lot of problems. So I'm glad we're actually tackling this as a topic on its own because some tips from you, the doc, I think uh, could go a long way, especially since we've already said a lot of shit's going on out there. People are spooked. The world's reopening. Oh, it's a lot of stuff. Anxiety. Anxiety's high. And 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 for good reason, right? Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of ambiguity. Ambiguity breeds anxiety. Things are a little tense. They're a little stressful. You know, giant chunks of the world are on fire. You know, I mean, yeah, that's pretty legitimate. Know, there's uh, Places are running out of water. <laughs> you know, new variants. Yeah. Totally yeah, like natural. We maybe let's be real. We maybe just shouldn't list it all because I think that'll just make people more stressed out. So let's just not. We don't need to create an inventory true, of true. all the stressors. But shit stressful. 
for real for a lot of people and just generally speaking. Yep. But I do specifically, even if we take it out of like, you know, the period in time that we're at right now, like I want to do an episode on, on anxiety because we talk about anxiety all the time and, and kind of more of a passerby sort of way in terms of how it impacts sex, sexual mm-hmm. functioning, sexual fun, what people want to try, what they're willing to try, yep. you know, or how they might approach sexual situations. And so really getting a better handle on understanding what, you know, how anxiety can impact a person. Also, like what anxiety might look like for you, because it doesn't look the same for every person. A lot of folks don't actually really know what anxiety is, right? Or might mm-hmm. be experiencing it and actually aren't aware that that's what's going on for them. Right, so, right. I figured this would be a good thing to maybe talk about a bit. No, I think you're totally right on the money. Uh, I think, you know, a lot of people don't, you know, there've been times even in my life where I had a lot of things going on. There was a lot of difficulties in my life and, and you know, you're just trying to get through the day. You're trying to just keep on trucking. And I actually didn't really know uh, how anxious I was until somebody brought it to my attention. Like, wow, man, you're actually dealing with a lot right now. That's a lot of heavy lifting you're doing emotionally. Like, you must be like anxious and worried about a lot of this stuff all the time. And all of a sudden I was like, yeah, actually, (laughs) yeah, I really, really am. I didn't even think of it that way. I just felt, I. Before I understood that it was anxiety that I was having, it just felt like somebody sitting on me, like a pressure or, and mm. it's different for everybody, right? Is what you were saying yeah. when we started talking about this yeah. episode. Yeah, and, and in a few minutes I can talk about like maybe what are some symptoms of anxiety and they're different. Sometimes some people experience certain sets and people, other people experience other sets of symptoms. And so that's part of why sometimes it's hard to identify mm-hmm. is because a lot of times, you know, maybe people get caught in a particular idea of what anxiety is, but really it can manifest in a lot of different ways. And I want to be very clear we all have anxiety, right? Yeah. And so, like, you better hope you do because it's what keeps you alive, right? <laughs> so, like, I hope you experience anxiety to some degree in your life because really, like, I, I think a good place to start is, like, what is anxiety, right? Like, right. what function does it serve? I'm going to be, like, a nerdy, more of my nerdy psychologist self, right? I, I think it would be good to talk. Oh, yeah, just, just this time you're going to be more of the Just nerdy. this time. Yeah. Just this one. <laughs> just just this one time, if I may. Um, but if we if we talk about like what is anxiety, right? Really, and we talked a little bit before here on like this is a reminder on the autonomic nervous system, right? Yep. So the autonomic nervous system, you know, is is part of your central nervous system, and it really contains your sympathetic and your parasympathetic nervous system, right? So your sympathetic nervous system is that people have often heard like fight, flight, or freeze, right? That kind of, that response, it keeps you alive, right? If you're in in the woods and a bear walks by, right? You're going to have one of three impulses, right? Like, which is to fight the bear, which I'm not going to lie, is a questionable impulse, but still, right? Like, Like a fight response, maybe a freeze would be like to play dead or you literally just get kind of paralyzed in the spot or flee, right? Run away. Usually in that sympathetic nervous state, you know, when there are varying degrees of how high it can get, um, the body's producing more adrenaline, right? And that can change the way that sort of some of the functions of our brain function, the way that our body functions, even like create muscle tension, right? So let's say you have to run away, right? Like tons of adrenaline. So maybe you can run faster, stronger, farther, right? Than you normally could under certain experiences. The parasympathetic 
And if anyone that's like a real big fan of the podcast listened to many of the episodes we've had in erections, right? The parasympathetic is your rest and relaxed state. Sometimes it's called like the rest and digest, like digestion often ha- often happens during that state. Yep. But that's um, that rest and relaxed state, um, very notably, if we talk about it in terms of sexual health, there are lots of things that happen in that, but actually much easier to get erections in that state, which is why sometimes people can have erectile functioning issues when they're having more anxiety. But either way, these are normal parts of the way that our minds and bodies work, right? So when I say, well, I hope you experience some degree of anxiety is because it's keeping you alive. You want it. You need it, right? When there's a loud noise, you should have, you know, I don't want, uh, like sometimes if people maybe have like certain difficulties with anxiety, maybe they have an overreaction, but there should be some reaction, right? Like, yeah, if, there's like a if like a gunshot goes off behind your head and you like, you know, I mean, uh, you know, you're somebody, just eating a meatball like, sub and you're like not... <laughs> Yeah, if you, if you don't react, you've got you're like a is there like hang on a second. Is there something that's like if you have no anxiety about anything in life, are you is there like a clinical thing for that like you are a psychopath, like you are a mass murderer? Um well, oh gosh, that's a complex question you don't want me to answer today. But like when you think right, about I'm just going to say yes. I'm going to say I'm going to answer for you. Like yes. A, if you don't have anxiety, you're Dexter. Okay, like no, that's no. okay. But, like, but to your point, right? Like when people maybe have lower. So, what is anxiety? At the end of the day, anxiety is a fear response, right? And people that have like really low fear responses can sometimes um, be murderers. Be- Huh? Be murderers. Sometimes, right? Sometimes that could maybe lead to like problematic behavior. Uh, we don't have time at all to get into many of it. So I'm going to stop myself because I could really go down a rabbit hole. I can, see, here, I can so. see you're like on the precipice of the rabbit hole. Like you're like <laughs> right there. You're like one step further and I'm well, going deep. so much self-control because I could be like, oh my God, this is like the, you know, not interesting maybe to others, but like, oh my God, this is so interesting. Yes. Let's talk about what happens when you don't really experience fear. But <laughs> that's a very, very small set of the population. And we're talking to most of the people that really do. So have majority some of, of humans have anxiety. It's a good thing. You want it, but we don't want it to a degree that it overwhelms us. Yeah. So, I mean, really, at the end of the day, everyone experiences anxiety to certain degrees. It's a reflex. It's meant to protect you. Right. There are times that you should feel on edge and pay attention to what's going around you. Be a little more hypervigilant. Because it, you know, could keep you getting hit by that car that's swinging around the corner and screeching loudly, right? Like, right. it's it's meant to be something. But I want to be also really clear. When I talk about anxiety, I'm also wanting to make sure that we're talking about a way that isn't this, like, highly stigmatized, like, 1960s version of, like, anxiety that it's like, you know, someone's having a nervous breakdown if they even seem a little bit nervous. Right. Right? Like. There are many, many reasons that people might struggle with anxiety to degrees greater than just like, oh, hey, I'm in the woods and a bear sneaks up on me, right? Mm -hmm, Like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of folks right now, like because there's a lot of anxiety provoking things going on, right? So as a natural response, a lot of people's anxiety is heightened. But there are some people who it is just a greater struggle for on a daily basis, and that can come out in a variety of different ways. Are you going to say something? Are you? you uh, yeah, I was listening. Oh, okay. Well, you know, sometimes you you have it. You looked like you had a statement. I was going to give you space. 
Listen, do you know me? (laughs) I mean, do you think I need space for a statement? (laughs) I mean, wow. I don't know what's happening. Is it the Twilight Zone? Hang on. Let me give Jeremiah space so he can can respond. Like, what? Like, what, what? Are you okay? Are you a pod person? Where's the real doc? I don't know. I'm very tired. (laughs) I'm very tired helping individuals cope with their reasonably heightened anxiety. (laughs) Okay. All right. So uh, I had nothing to comment on. I was literally being a student and listening to you. So let's continue on. Well, well, actually, hang on a second. Now I want to say something. So (laughs) this. See? Well, no, I want to say something now. I didn't have anything before. I was just listening. But uh one of the things you now know, that I've given you space. Now that you've given me space. Now that... <laughs> no, but seriously, uh stigma around this. There is a lot of stigma still, I would say. Would you agree with yes. that? Like there's a lot of stigma yeah. around like, and, like people yeah. like, oh, somebody has anxiety. Oh, they must be one of those people, like one of those broken humans. Like, no, we He's... all have it. Harsh. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I know people that like think that kind of thing. Like, oh, everybody's on medication nowadays. Like, what happened before? This, you know, medication and everybody was popping pills and dealing with like, you know, a lot of people died. Like a lot of bad things happened. A lot of people struggled really bad, you know, or so. suffered unnecessarily in silence without actually talking about what was really going on. Anxiety is not an, or struggles with anxiety, like really heightened anxiety or more chronic anxiety where it's like kind of above and beyond just where maybe a day to day experience would be expected to be like that is not a new thing that's been around forever as long as humans have been around, right? And so, yes, I think there's still a lot of stigma. And I think that people are talking more than ever, you know, especially with like the rise of social media and like mental health advocacy, I think in probably better and better ways. Um, But that still doesn't mean that people don't hesitate to come into therapy and talk about it. Or there's a reason like, you know, that title is like anxiety, who, me? No, right? Because people don't often like to see themselves as having anxiety or, you know, don't want to be labeled as an anxious person because it's not something culturally we've like been like, well, yeah, that's a really admirable or sexy trait. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, come on. It's like even me with with my learning disability, you know, people still, there's nothing worse than like, you know, explaining to somebody you have a a very severe learning disability and then they go, oh yeah, I mean, I have the same problem. Like, no, you don't. You don't. It's not the same. You know, because it's not. Like, look, somebody with, you know, severe, severe anxiety could be paralyzing anxiety. I mean, some people really, truly struggle. And But, you know, they might seem totally like they don't have, there's no issue. They totally seem fully functional in all these other ways. And then you've got this severe anxiety disorder or, you know, where they really, really struggle. You know, and the people kind of go, uh, well, and they kind of poo-poo on it. But it's like, you know... If that person didn't have a leg that you could see, they didn't have a leg. I think I've talked about this before. Have I said this before? I probably have. I mean, anyway. I think you're talking. Yeah, I think you're talking about like the idea of invisible disability. Yes. Right? Okay. I'm going but... down a rabbit hole now. I will. I'll get. I'll pull myself up here. But you know, I just it, it, that's a thing that does happen. So you know, and, and a lot of people, I think, doc, don't really understand even what that means to struggle with anxiety or struggle with an anxiety disorder. I mean, we're going here like, hey. Well, what is anxiety? Like, what is it? Right. So, you know, I think it's important that, uh, you know, we put it out there. You shouldn't, if somebody's struggling with anxiety, don't shame them. Don't, 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 you know, it should be something that, uh, you know, you shouldn't do. You let them, am I saying anything right here? You're kind of squinting at me. <laughs> no, like, I no, don't know. no. I mean, I'm, I'm just, 
I'm just giving you space to oh, see Jesus. where you go. Jeez, no, jeepers, I, creepers. To, I think to some of your points, right? Like I do think there's a lot of stigma and I think that that's really problematic because then other people see that and then it precludes them from going and seeking care when maybe they need it. And then that anxiety gets worse and then it becomes legitimately problematic in ways that are harder to treat or more difficult and makes life more difficult in unnecessary ways. Okay. And so, yes, I think... We could all probably do better as humans as being less judgmental and stigmatizing in a number of ways and the world would probably be a much happier, healthier place. I agree. So here's what I think we should do. I think we should take a break here. This is a good spot. And then when we come back, what are the symptoms of anxiety? You can kind of go into that aspect. What do you think? Good? Sure. All right. Waiting, making sure you're not going to jump on me before I say we'll be right back. I'm too tired tonight. Go for it. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be right back. And we're back. Can you see how much more agreeable I am when I'm tired? Yeah, I love this. I'm I'm actually (laughs) like, this is amazing. Like, I, I... you're giving me space. You're not jumping in when I'm trying to close out a segment. You're just like, I mean, oh, yeah. it's not done. The episode's not done. Yeah, I want to be. Yeah, you're right. You probably shouldn't bring attention to things. <laughs> okay. What are some symptoms of anxiety, Doc? Come on, give us some knowledge. Yeah. So um, some symptoms of anxiety. And again, one of the really important things is to remember anxiety is on a continuum. Right. So like explain what that means, because I just was like continuum. I started thinking about Star Trek. I got confused right away. Yeah. So a continuum, like as in like uh, it's not like all or nothing. Right. Like it's something that can be mild, moderate, severe. Right. Okay. And that that can, you know, kind of ebb and flow and be fluid for even an individual person. Um, So that's important. Right. Like not all anxiety is created equal and, and it manifests differently for different people. But some common symptoms. Right. Of anxiety. Anxiety, and these are things just to pay attention to, to see like if you've noticed it, like one would be a really classic one would be chronic worry, right? So chronic worry isn't like every once in a while worrying about something. It's like I'm worrying a lot to the point where like I'm losing sleep at night or it's really negatively impacting my day. And there's a really good way to go. Do I worry? Do you do a lot of what if thinking? What if this? What if that? Mm-hmm. But what if? But what if? Or even notice yourself doing that in conversations with people mm-hmm. like what if, what if, right? That's often a really good signal that you might be struggling with a little bit of, or maybe a lot of anxiety about okay, something. Okay, that, that, this is something interesting because I didn't even realize that, you know, because that'll happen to me. Every once in a blue moon, I will get caught like in a loop, right? I'll be like in bed. And I've never been a great sleeper, but, you know, I'll be in bed and I'll be like, what if, you know, the house burns down? What if, this happens. What if, you know, I screw up my bank account? What if, what if, what? And it'll just keep going in like a circle. And then, you know, I really struggle to go to sleep. And I didn't, I honestly did not realize that was like a form of just like an anxiety of anxiety. So I was having like an, an anxious moment or whatever for a few hours there is what you're mm-hmm. saying. Wow, interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, what if, right? Like, so another symptom would be referred to as perseveration. So think of perseveration just as that, as like spinning. You're spinning on something, right? Like you keep grinding on the same thought. And sometimes, here's an important thing, and I'll talk more about as we go along here. Some anxieties are, like, some some of the anxiety we we might have is rational, i.e. like, uh, there's a fire. 
I'm worried that that's going to come burn me. That's right. rational, right? Yeah. Yep. Like it's made by my house. That's rational anxiety, right? Or like, you know, a lot of the COVID stuff, like there's a virus going on that's pretty dangerous. That's some rational anxiety, right? Mm-hmm. Now, a irrational anxiety would be anxiety that maybe there's some aspects of it that are reasonable, but then there are other aspects that are kind of over the top for what it is, right? Like, let's say someone hasn't texted you back within like 30 minutes starting to go, what if they're dead? Right. right. You Got know it. what I mean? Where you're really starting to kind of go and don't get me wrong. Oftentimes anxiety comes from a very real place from somebody. So like sometimes it can manifest around like these kind of worries, but like something really bad in the past did happen. So that's why they're now worrying about this smaller thing now. Yeah. So well, I that's why I stopped that. looking things up on WebMD because. Oh, please don't. Oh, just I, don't. I, Doc, I would love be like. <laughs> You know, I have a patch of dry skin. I'd look it up on the WebMD and it's like, you have AIDS and you have cancer or both at the same time with this. And I'd be like, that's it. That's it. I'm a goner. I'm a goner. And then <laughs> it circles. <laughs> it doesn't stop. So that's why I don't do it anymore. Yeah, I would absolutely say that looking things up on WebMD, if you're going to do it, set a timer and do it for five minutes. Five minutes, <laughs> like, way too long for me. I already found I out like within- I you do it at all, but if you're going to do it, if you're going to go down that rabbit hole, if you don't find your answer in five minutes, don't go any further because people can lose like days in a WebMD vortex. Oh I'm my God, you're... I lost so much time that I'll never get back. I started having like pinprick feelings. I know this isn't about me, but I started having like weird like pinpricks, right? And th- but that can be from anything. Like, you know, you feel like your fang- your fingers tingle, like you feel like you're pricking your finger, right? Right. So sometimes, too, so you're actually bringing up a really another anxiety symptom that can sometimes people can notice, right, which is oh. hypervigilance. So oh, I just hy- thought it was like, because uh, yep. I was sometimes- like, like, so if I'm getting pinpricks, is that hypervigilance oh, no, or is um, the pinpricks no. anxiety? Sometimes Doc, anxiety. me. I'm confused. <laughs> Yep, I'm hearing you. So sometimes anxiety can, um, and I don't know if that was or wasn't anxiety, right? But sometimes anxiety can manifest physically. Like some people might feel tingly in their skin. They might start feeling hot, feeling really cold. They some like a, a classic panic attack, which is just really high anxiety, yeah. right? Would be difficulty breathing, shallowness of breath, feeling hot. That happened hot, to me once when I was 19. Cold. It scared the living crap out yep. of me. I thought I was dying. A lot of times people dying. think they're having a heart attack. A lot of times people think they're having a heart attack. I so totally that's like, did. Thought, that's yeah. exactly what I thought. And I was only 19 years old and I completely was in the middle of a conversation. I had been having a difficult time and all of a sudden my heart started pounding. I started to sweat. I started seeing spots. I was like, I'm having a heart attack. Like, this is what this is. And I passed out. Yeah. Woke up yeah, on the floor. I mean- and like, here's the thing, like that, that would be a really high level, like a panic attack is like a really cute, acute high level of anxiety. <laughs> it's a really so, cute level of anxiety. No, acute, it's really cute. Acute, it's A-C-U-T-E. super cute. Acute level of anxiety. Um, but so physical symptoms sometimes can, like that would be more on the higher end of the continuum spectrum, right? But here's um, the thing I would like to say, it was like, you know, anxiety, when people poo-poo it or they they put people down or they make fun of people for it, they clearly have never had a panic attack. Because, like, you know, ter- I, they're, they're terrifying. And also, at the same point in time, I mean, this is an emotional response that literally basically short circuits your 
system. I mean, that's basically what a panic attack is. Like you're so worked up, you're so anxious, you're so upset or what have you. And it's built up to such a degree that it's like your motherboard shuts down. It's like somebody taking a cattle prod to your computer. Like everything just goes and then it's like scrambles everything. It's like your body has to shut down. It's like a crazy thing, right? Am I wrong on this? No, I mean, and and that's the thing, right? Like anxiety is real, like, and it can get to pretty high heights at times. And so a panic attack would be, um, you know, maybe when someone's having more severe anxiety and, you know, we don't have time today. There's, we could talk about panic attacks on another, on another segment at some point in time, because there's maybe some specific things around that. But if we talk about more of like the day-to-day anxiety, Mm because people, trust me, you're going to know if you're having like, there's no confusion. Yeah, you'll you'll definitely know afterwards. You might, while it's going on, think you're having a heart attack. But afterwards, if it's a panic attack, trust me, you'll you'll definitely be aware that there was some anxiety going on. Right. But I'm talking some of these symptoms are more like what are the ones that people often don't notice, right? And so one of them um, that you kind of actually indicated was around like hypervigilance. So you were talking about it in the context of health, right? Mm-hmm. So let's say you have like a little tingling in your fingers, right? And then you go, oh, no what's going on with my fingers, right? And now you're hyper-focused on your fingers, right? And sometimes that makes the physical symptom you're having actually intensify, right? right? Or you're just paying much closer attention to it. So it makes it seem worse or like it's bigger. It's like when someone's like, oh, you have a bug bite. And it didn't itch, but now you're thinking about it. And so it's itching. It's because yes. you're being vigilant, right? Great Hypervigilance can also show up as sort of like being just really vigilant about your environment, right? Where you're like, what's that? What's going on? Right. And you like notice that you're like hyper aware of what's going on. Um, not going to lie. That's often a symptom as well of post-traumatic stress disorder, right? Where people are really vigilant because, you know, there's and PTSD would be a really uh, much higher level of like, you know, really traumatic circumstances result in, in often heightened, ang- like in extremely heightened anxiety because they've been through traumatic experiences, which is very right. reasonable. Right. Um, but some other symptoms that people often don't know, racing thoughts. So what are racing thoughts? Racing thoughts are like, do you have a hard time slowing your mind down right now? Everybody has a lot of thoughts going through their mind on any given day, but like, do you have like, it's almost like ping pong, like, ping, ping, pow, pow. You know what I mean? Where like your thoughts are just bouncing around and it's, it's like, there's a lot of mental noise and yes. chatter and you have a really hard time just slowing it down sometimes. Yeah. That's what and, I was talking about. Like when I, when I have those moments where I, uh, I'm trying to, uh, you know, when I woke up and I was telling you like, I couldn't sleep and like all of a sudden, but it's, it's exactly the way you described it. Like ping pong. Like I'm like, that was going to burn down on my bank account. And then this, and then that, and I'd be like, and I even try to tell myself, dude, chill the fuck out, man. Like, relax. Like, it's, it's not, you know, and I can't sometimes. Like, sometimes it would just be like, boom, 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 thought to thought, thought to thought, thought. And I, you know, and yep. then finally I just become so exhausted that I'm like, I'm going back to sleep. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, but not because like I, but not in a good way, go back to sleep. But like, I I, I don't, you know, you kind of shut down. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Well, and that, and that is, you know, in terms of other sort of symptoms that people often don't notice. Here's another one. Here's a real chestnut. Irritability. Being oh. on edge. A lot of times people are like, well, they're really crabby. <laughs> right? I see. Irritability. Um, don't get don't get me wrong. Sometimes it's a crossover symptom with things like depression or other sorts of, you know, just struggles or mood feeling just, you know, on an off mood. It doesn't mean you have to have depression, but like, you know, just some lower mood that day. But irritability when someone's struggling with like chronic irritability or if you notice you're just more irritable, like 
often, right, so remember what anxiety is, right? That's like overactivation of that sympathetic nervous system, right? It puts mm -hmm. people on edge, right? So when people feel more restless on edge, right, when people have a harder time feeling like they can relax, you know, a lot of folks have the friend where like they just can't sit down, right? Mm -hmm. Got to be doing something. Now, sometimes that might be crossover with like impulsivity and ADHD if maybe someone has some of that going on. But sometimes that's an anxiety thing as well, right? Where someone's like, can't stop moving. So psychomotor agitation, right? Like where you just can't stop moving. You know what I really love is that you just did an example of that as if they were watching, but just made noise over your microphone. <laughs> I'm really sorry. <laughs> Talk with my hands. Um, <laughs> you were like, I know I, I couldn't see your hands, but I knew you reached your hands out and you were like, blah, 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 blah. I was yeah, like, like, she's yeah, doing a visual aid, folks. Tapping. I'm sorry. I was tapping. I was tapping on the table, right? Like we're, and again, it doesn't mean someone's having like a destructive anxiety moment. Sometimes it's just a nerve, like a slightly nervous tick, but sometimes people might have a lot of physical kind of agitation. So, and you know, there are different symptoms too, like gastrointestinal distress. Like yeah. Can, Sometimes oh, yeah. a symptom of anxiety, like yeah, irritable bowel lot, syndrome. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, a lot of folks I know that have done a lot of performing will talk about having some bathroom experiences yes, before sure. mm -hmm. performances because that can impact. And so, like a lot, a lot of these are symptoms that sometimes people don't notice or they attribute to other things. And sometimes they, sometimes they aren't. But oftentimes, there at least a moment to pause and go, like, am I feeling anxious? Like, right. uh, what's maybe going on with that? And what am I feeling anxious about? Another, I, this is my last one here, but it's one that people misinterpret a lot. When people have, like, when I say irritability, also when people are struggling a lot with anger, right? Okay. Like, when people have, like, rage outs, right? Where someone, like, you know, you, you'll know somebody where they're like, I just see red, right? Like, I'm a gun. That's like essentially for some folks, that's like a version of a panic attack. Anger and anxiety run on the same track. Yeah. They run on the same system. And so a lot of times when those things happen, somebody's getting amped up, amped up, amped up, and now all of a sudden fists through drywall, right? Yep. Yep. And a lot of times that those kind of symptoms are seen as like there's something else or they're like its own thing. But in reality, a lot of times it's a signal that someone might be struggling actually with a fair amount of anxiety. Okay. And it's just manifesting more in maybe anger or rage. That is always interesting. Popular, always popular at a party. There you go. <laughs> always. Absolutely. Good party trick to have. But I would also just like to say thank you because anytime I'm grumpy now with my wife, if I'm ever grumpy, for whatever reason, I'm just gonna be like, I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm anxious. I'm having an anxiety thing. And uh, so you can't be mad at me because I'm grumpy. The doc said so. Is that cool with you? If I use that just That's as a get out of jail free card? I'm saying these things can be, pay attention, but sometimes they're just crossovers with other normative things that are going on in your life. So. All right. So you're saying I can't use it as an excuse and get out of jail free card is what you're basically getting. It's fine. It's fine. All right. Continue yeah. on. Continue on, please. I'm saying that these things can be a signal of anxiety. It is not like these are absolutely, you are absolutely having anxiety if you get mad one time. <laughs> <laughs> Like, let's be clear. That is not what I'm saying. And let's also be clear. If I ever tried that excuse and was being grumpy, my wife will be like, I, I'll show you anxiety. Be grumpy with me. Like, <laughs> All right. Continue on. All right. Well, you're going to be really happy with me. All right. Am I? Well, because I'm going to talk about some, well, 
actually, I was going to talk about how to's, but I had one more thing first on anxiety, just for people to be thinking about, right? Anxiety, like I said, is not all, it's not all good. It's not all bad. It's just different, right? Anxiety can be really helpful, not just in keeping you alive, but it also like, you know, when you think about it, especially, you know, we talk about a lot of stuff in the context of sex and sexual relationships, like a little bit of anxiety, you know, like a little bit of nerves, like can really and pump up the excitement, right? A lot of things that are worth doing are a little anxiety provoking, right? I agree. They get that adrenaline up. But there is this idea of diminishing returns, right? Mm -hmm. When the anxiety goes too high, right? Where it has like, maybe it flood, like you'll hear people talk about flooding, right? Where they like totally shut down, right? Or they hit that flight or fight response, you know, where it's kind of overreached. And so there's something called eustress and distress. Eustress just for reference, is E-U-S-T-R-E-S-S. Eustress is considered like, I guess, quote unquote, the good type of stress, meaning that it like motivates you or it like pushes you to do something. Like, so for instance, let's say you have to take a test and you're a little nervous about failing, right? And those nerves propel you to study, right? Distress would be you're so anxious about failing, it completely shuts you down or makes you go, well, I'm not even going to try at all because I can't even cope with this anxiety. And then you end up failing the test because okay, you didn't try. Okay, that makes sense. All right. So now we can talk about how to's. All right. Let's get some how to's. Look how self-directed I am today. I mean, seriously, you need to be exhausted all the time. Like every episode, <laughs> every single one, please continue. <laughs> Okay, so uh, what are some things I recommend if you are sitting here listening and you're going, I think that from time to time I may struggle with a bit of anxiety or frankly, I think I'm experiencing that a lot. I do think, honestly, one of the first things you have to do is just admit to yourself that you're maybe feeling anxious and perhaps, right, start talking to someone else about it because um, a lot of times people have anxiety about anxiety. And it's one of the biggest problems, right? People will say, Let, let's take it in the, I'll use it because it's a really good example. Let's say somebody's having uh, anxiety that they know is like uh, impacting uh, erectile functioning, right? And they'll go, oh my God, what if I can't orgasm? Well, don't worry about it. Oh no, now I'm worrying. What if I worry, right? And then right. they're starting to worry about worrying, right? right. And I don't want to be anxious. Just don't be anxious, dude. It's if like you're being not on anxious, a ride you can't get off of, just going around in a circle. It's terrible. Right. And a lot of times people get anxious about being anxious. Well, I don't want to do that because I don't want to be anxious. So they're anxious about future anxiety. And what that does, and it's really common for us as humans, we do this all the time, but it creates this like like spin cycle we just get stuck in, right? Right. Where then we're kind of stuck in this loop of like, like just feeling really like a lot of distress about our distress. Stress. So oftentimes, one of the most effective things that you can work on right away is learning how to let it be okay that you're experiencing anxiety. And when you tell people that, the first thing they normally want to do is is, is probably kind of hit you in the face because <laughs> <laughs> people are like, screw you, lady. I don't, why would I want to be anxious? And I'm mm-hmm. not talking about wanting to be anxious, but think about it this way. If you can start to get rid of that top layer of anxiety, right? Like being anxious about being anxious, right? Oh no, I'm at a party. What if someone notices that I'm anxious? Oh my God, I can't go to this party because people are going to notice that I'm nervous being here. If you can start to say, well, I'm going to have anxiety. That's okay. I can figure out how to handle that. Or it's not the end of the world, or it's not a catastrophe if I'm anxious when I do this thing. The more people can do that, now they start to remove about, oh, I don't know, maybe 50% 
or more, right, of mm-hmm. the anxiety they're experiencing. And it allows them to start to get to a better place to actually address maybe what the kind of core issue is that they're feeling anxious about. Okay. But it, does that make sense? 100%. I'm with you. Okay. Because it's a, it, I would say that it's probably one of the bigger things, and I say it, and just because I say it doesn't mean it's not actually pretty hard to do, right? Oh, of course, and so of course. It usually takes a little bit of practice, right? But starting to like, it's the reason that I go on and on about like anxiety is normal. You're going to experience it because you don't, you don't have to love your anxiety, but I think it becomes more problematic when people start to catastrophize it. It's the end of the world. If I feel anxious in a scenario, that's well, when I mean, it starts it, it's to kind of like problem. anything I would say, like, you know, if you're, you know, afraid to go to sleep at night every night, you know, and, and you, you get more and more afraid of going to sleep, like it's going to be harder and harder to, to, to embrace it. Right. So, yeah. you know, so Absolutely. it's not saying like, I want to make it my best friend, but it's, it, you know, and that, you know, it's just yeah. like, Hey, this is a difficult thing, but I'm not going to be afraid of it before it happens or, or anticipating that it's happening. I'm going to just embrace it. Like, hey, it might happen. And, and yeah, you know, that's okay. Well, and I, and I tell people in that, like the how of doing that is shoot for neutrality, okay. right? You don't need to shoot to love it. And you're trying not to catastrophize it. You're just trying to say like, it is what it is. It's not good. It's not bad. I might be anxious in this set of circumstances or I'm experiencing anxiety right now. I can hang. Right. Okay. You were talking about pan- you were talking about panic attacks earlier. Mm-hmm. As an aside, one of the best treatments for panic attacks is helping. So a lot of times when people have panic attacks, they start to worry more about having another panic attack in the future, which what do you think that does? Just perpetuates the problem. Yeah. And can in- actually trigger another, another panic, panic attack. attack right. Yeah. So a lot of times you help people. I just want to make it clear to... when I said perpetuates the problem, that was all in that, like what you said afterwards. That was included, yeah. That was included yeah. there. So I just yeah. want you know. <laughs> so great. So when people, when you're trying to help somebody manage, like say something like a panic attack, one of the first things that you're trying to help them do is to say like, hey, I might have these moments of really intense anxiety. I know what they are, like especially now that you know it's not going to a heart attack or your body, you know, something's really wrong. Like I can hang, right? So you, and it's really hard to do. And again, people hate it. But the more you can teach someone to say like, you got to ride it like a wave, it's not going to last forever, right? That's the thing. Just like moments of anxiety will pass. And the less you fight with them, the quicker they're going to pass. I often talk to people about emotions are like a wave, right? And you just have to ride the wave as best you can. And again, this is a skill to practice, not anything that I expect people to be super. I mean, I don't know how to be super good at this all the time. Right. And I know this shit. (laughs) (laughs) It is much easier on paper than in practice. There you go. Um, So you got to practice people. Yes. Um, You know, there are also, there's some usefulness too, right? To starting to identify, like earlier I said, anxiety is fear. That's what it is, sure. right? And whether your fear, fears seem rational or not, sometimes it's actually helpful to start literally pausing and start to identify what your p- fears are, right? So basically because, like, you know, you're starting to feel anxious. Stop. Why am I feeling anxious? Let's figure out why this fear is response is happening. Right. Take what a am look I afraid of? What is this actually I... thing? So like for me, if you put a tarantula on a desk and told me I had to sit in the same room with it, I would be very anxious and start to have really hardcore anxiety. And it's because I'm not a fan 
And I would have to stop and go, okay, that's a tarantula. I understand yep. that they might be able to jump across this room. I don't know. I don't know what kind so of tarantula this I'm is. I'm afraid. So it sounds like in that scenario, the fear would be, I am afraid that the tarantula will harm me. Eat me. I will and die. Eat, but I will die, right? So, okay. Now, odds are good that you would defeat a tarantula, right? I so don't that know will be... that. You don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that, but I think if you had a, if you Have had you the seen one arachnophobia, up on the... that guy, he had guns. Like it was crazy. Right. Sorry. Yeah. So, but this <laughs> is a so good, upset, this is my my you got really upset. I see, I see that anxiety rising. Stress is so, but this would be a good example of like rational versus irrational, right? Like there is a rational level of the fear that like, yeah, that spider could create some harm, but in a scenario in which you literally had the one up, like it's not so surprising you you're seeing it you're what are you like six two you're a pretty big guy yeah. right right so odds are good right that the tarantula isn't going to eat you odds are good right and so sometimes if you can even just pause and label what the fear is this this would be all by the way good old-fashioned cognitive behavioral therapy this would be a good old-fashioned cognitive challenge right where you're going okay what's the fear i don't need that how challenge likely, how likely is it that that fear will come true right and so you're trying to use your rational mind because remember anxiety is coming more from that primal animal brain, right? It's yeah. not always plugged in to our rational brains, you know, mm -hmm. and so trying to start to kind of work through like, okay, how likely is this scenario that I'm feeling afraid of, right? So let's say it's around sex. Let's say somebody's like, I'm afraid if I don't orgasm, my partner's not going to like me anymore. They're not going to want to have sex with me ever again. Odds For are probably good. That that's not that's true. That's not true. Now, yeah. could it could it be true? I guess if you have a really rigid partner that's very, you know. Well, then you specific. have to think about the partner you're with. I mean, honest to God, well, like if that well, person was like, you did an orgasm, you made right. me Right, so is unhappy. it within the realm of possibility? Sure. But <laughs> odds are probably good that there's low likelihood of that, right? And so like that would be kind of trying to walk through that and using your rational mind to kind of calm that more primal part of your mind down. However, for some folks, that doesn't work as well. Or, you know, they try those strategies and they're helpful to a bit. The other thing that I often encourage people to do, and this is a different skill set, is playing out the what if. Okay. So playing out the what if, right, would be, and, and people do not really like this one, but it's very effective. Playing out the what if is rather than trying to get rid of whatever the fear is that you have, you're trying to invest more in your resiliency to handle it should it happen or your lack of capacity to control it if it did, right? So okay. um, this is probably a darker example, but just because you said it earlier, right? Like what if, let's say you notice a rash, right? And then you jump to what if I have cancer? Right. Right. Logical steps. So this is one people don't love, but sometimes if they can't get themselves to calm down, I'll tell people, play out that what if. Okay, what if that were true? Well, I guess I would, what would you do? Well, I would go to the doctor. I would follow the directions they would give me. I would try to be resilient as I could be. I would try to get support. I would try to get the best medical care that I would do, right? And what's really interesting, remember earlier when I was talking about perseveration, when people spin on what ifs? Right. When people play them out, it often actually really reduces a lot of that perseveration. Why? Because they're no longer avoiding the fear, 
right? Think mm-hmm. of it like dance. Like when you think about, is there a monster? What if there's a monster under the bed? What if there's a monster under the bed? What if there's a monster under the bed? It's not until you look under the bed that you're actually able to cope more effectively. But that's the and, scary part. Yep. But if there actually was a monster under the bed, right? Like then you now have concrete information with what to do with it, right? Like so if you actually looked under your bed and there was a monster, then you'd be in more of a like, all right, well, let's dance, fucker kind of position, right? Like that's true. That's true. You'd be you'd be pushed to action. And a lot it's very interesting when you look at research, right? When I say ambiguity is part of what creates anxiety, I really mean that. So the more you can reduce ambiguity, often the more helpful it is for reducing anxiety. And sometimes that means looking at really hard things. And again, not all these skills and strategies work for everybody and some are more effective for certain kind of scenarios than other scenarios. I'm just throwing some out there. But playing out the what if can often be a really helpful way to also accept what you can't control, right? Because in that scenario I just gave, right, that what if I have cancer, okay? That what if, playing that out, the reality is is that is what most people would do because you wouldn't have a choice. Okay. All right, I'm with you. I feel you. You're saying like you yeah. wouldn't have a choice. You would have to accept that this is what has to happen. Okay. Why? There is no other. There is no other option. And so, as much as it like bums people out to think about it, interestingly, when you can actually start to practice it, a lot of people actually find it very effective in stopping kind of the spins of some of those what ifs, right? Okay. And it does sometimes mean approaching some stuff that might scare the crap out of you. All right. Give us a couple more, Doc. All right. Uh, We kind of already talked about this idea. Anxiety is a reflex, right? But it means it'll pass, right? Like just a moment in time, you were saying. It will pass. So let it ride. Right. Another sort of skill that sometimes can be helpful, right, is and this is probably more along that lines of like trying to challenge some of your fears. One is a skill called gathering evidence to the contrary. Right. Let's say you're afraid you went to a party and everyone there thought you were the worst. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Which is a common fear people might experience, right? Or let's say, this is a better one, you were at a party and you said something dumb. And like you think it was dumb, all right? In your perception it was dumb or it was a bad joke. And now you're sitting and spinning on that bad joke and how you said this thing and how everyone must be thinking about it, right? Start to gather evidence to the contrary to that belief, right? Like start to really think through it. Like, okay, Um, so-and-so talked to me today and they didn't mention that joke and they didn't behave any differently around me. Right. Right. Like, um, uh, after I made that joke, like three people asked me if I wanted to hang out and play bocce ball later this week. Right. Like you're starting. Where the hell did you pull bocce ball from? My God. What is this? 1957? I don't know, man. But (laughs) you get my point where you can start. I'm totally with you. I think and all of our fans are with you. Actually, sit down and like write out a list. Yeah, lists evidence. do help. I got to say that kind of stuff that really does. It sounds so silly, but actually, like writing down like a pros and cons of what happened to like gather that information really can be very, very helpful. Right. I'm just saying, I, I totally yeah, am an advocate be, it for can, it. it. It really can be like sometimes just externalizing it or telling a friend. I said the dumbest thing at this party. Everyone hates me now, and having your friend go. What the no. hell are you talking about? That's, that's going. That's no one's thinking now. about you. They're thinking right. about all the dumb stuff they said at the party. Exactly. Because that's how most people's minds work. And here's the thing about like, 
isolation, right? The more you stay alone with some of those thoughts, the more real they start to feel. It's why solitary confinement can really mess with someone's head, right? right? We use other people as a barometer for what's real and what's not real. And so the more isolated you are with something, the more that thing starts to feel like a reality and the harder it is to say, ah, that's irrational. It right. starts feeling very real and it can be harder to separate it. So sometimes just externalizing it or even writing it down and going, when I put it on paper, it looks really silly. That's right. I, I right? totally agree. I, I was, this was recommended to me to do. And I thought it was like this, that's dumb. I'm not doing everything. That. Everything you recommend for people around anxiety sounds dumb. It sounds dumb. But, and then I did it and but, I was like, but, shit, I'm looking at this and I wrote down the pros and the cons and like, you know, it's ridiculous. It's kind of silly. Like it's ridiculous, Jeremiah. You know, it's fine. So I think that's great. So let's let's close out with a couple of good, helpful thoughts of how to help with overall anxiety. Like, what can they do other than, of course, if you're really, yeah. really struggling, as we so, always say, go talk to somebody. Yeah. But so, some tips here, Doc. Yeah. So um, there is a difference between reactive and preventative anxiety management. Reactive anxiety is only trying to do something about your anxiety when it's at its highest point, right? When you're the most stressed, when you're close to a panic attack or you're freaking out or you're just like so like anxious and worried that you have a hard time slowing your mind down. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not saying don't try to intervene at that point do, right? Please do something. And that would be like, okay, maybe you do a breathing exercise where you're counting four, four, six, breathe in for four, hold for six, out for six, do that for five minutes. That's an actual skill you can use, right? But really what's more effective is often if you're noticing that you're experiencing anxiety on a really routine basis, also thinking more about starting to add in what I would call more preventative anxiety measures. Yeah, get right. ahead of it before it gets out of control. Yeah, get well, ahead of it before the, the fire starts, you know? Yeah, part, part of it is thinking about like kind of what's your daily baseline for anxiety, right? Like if zero is somebody that struggles with no stress whatsoever and I don't know who the heck that would be, right? I don't We've like already said psychopaths. Okay, well, we're not going back into that. But, All right. right, like if zero is none and let's say you're someone that trends towards a little more anxious, let's say your baseline's like already at a five, and let's say a 10 is like full-fledged, like I can't even function, you're going to have so much less space for stressful stuff to happen, right? The higher your day-to-day -day baseline, think of it like a win. it's often referred to as the window of tolerance. I often think of it as your window to tolerate bullshit, all right? It go. just gets smaller and smaller, right, the more sort of you have day-to-day -day stress. So starting to build things into your life that help you do better stress management. For some people, that's exercise. For some people... Um, you know, that might be doing more social things or engaging in art or whatever it might be. Sometimes it might be doing like meditation, headspace. Everyone's a lot of mindfulness stuff has really good usefulness and things like are yoga. More, yeah, things are more of a practice. I will say though, yoga is really helpful. Honestly, a lot of the martial arts, very helpful. Really? Think, yeah. Things that, things that require presence right? That require you to be present in a moment. Because think about what, what anxiety is. Anxiety is often living in the future. Worry about the future. Depression, side note, or uh, sometimes anxiety, but depression also is often living in the past, gotcha. ruminating on the past. Sometimes, right? But a lot of times people really struggle to be present. And side note, that's what a lot of mindfulness practice is about. But one of the things that I've, I've had some clients that are like, you know, maybe struggle with some pretty significant anxiety, sometimes getting involved in like, you know, yoga's great. But like, sometimes if people are like, yoga's not my jam, I'm like, all right, 
what about getting involved in like karate or Kwondo or mm -hmm. like MMA, right? Like something that requires you to be present, right? And mm -hmm. it takes you out of that worry about the future. I'm not going to lie. Like if you're doing like competitive MMA, then maybe that starts to get a little intense. I'm talking more about <laughs> for leisure, yeah. right? For leisure. Um, be, and so it doesn't always need, I mean, for somebody it could be bowling, like mm -hmm. it's really whatever it is that helps you kind of focus on the moment, be, be present be here more in the moment and taking breaks to do that and being thoughtful about like, hey, I woke up today at a six. What can I do to get myself even down to a five? So maybe that's like, hey, I know that if I spend just like five minutes breathing before I go to work, right, or listening to a song I really like before I walk into my office in my car that actually helps me have a little bit bigger window to tolerate more in my day. That can be a really helpful way to also start to prevent some more severe anxiety symptoms. Or start doing a combo platter. Like, you know, you do MMA and you do yoga and you do some breathing exercises, maybe a little combination. I'm yes, you, you can do all those things. I'm going to be really honest with you. I would pick one and just try to start with that, mostly because change is hard and you can't do 100 things at one time. You can usually only pick one good habit to start, and even then, C's get degrees. Um, Shoot for a hundred percent. Be I'm, really I'm sorry. I'm sorry. With you yourself. are not one to be giving this advice right now. I am sorry. You were like just in like a guitar lesson, then you're singing bands. I mean, you do all this kind of wild stuff all the time. Like, what are you talking about? I can't have a combo platter. I feel like you're poo pooing on me right now. No, you can have a combo platter. I'm saying if you're trying, like you have to build toward that. Okay, so you're right? not just pointing doing, that at me. What you're saying is... If someone's doing none of these things... Start with one. Start with one thing. Okay, right? fair enough. Okay. And be kind to yourself in the process because building habits, like really like these kind of quote unquote healthy habits, like preventative healthcare kind of habits are hard. And I know it's like one thing to be like, I'm going to go to the gym every morning at 6 a.m. Saying that and doing that are two totally different things. Totally. And it really is difficult to get moving on that. So uh, one of the biggest mistakes people often make is adding way too, too many, many new things to try at one things. time. All right, fair enough. I take it back. Thank you for the explanation. And in, and in closing, it may seem like this stuff is unrelated to sex. It's totally not. You are a whole person. The more and better you take care of yourself, I won't lie. It creates way more space for sex, way, way less noise in your head when you're trying to be sexual that can interfere with functioning, usually more sort of a sense of presence with your body that allows you to decide what you're into, what you're not into a little bit more effectively. Yep. A lot of this stuff, as someone that talks about sex all the time, I am also talking about anxiety all the time. I so I can't stress imagine. how much this, Im I can't stress how much this impacts people. Well, doc, that was brilliant. I learned a lot. Even things I didn't realize were anxiety for me. Now I have identified them. And uh, I hope really that this really helped a lot of our listeners out there because this is a really big issue. And I'm just going to repeat it again. Don't let people shame you. If, if you do suffer from anxiety, it is a very, it can be very debilitating. Um, and if you really, really are struggling and like really bad and you're having panic attacks, go talk to somebody. Go, go ask a friend. And then go talk to someone like the doc who's a total genius and they will be able to help you through it. There are people that specialize in anxiety specifically, therapists that specialize in this. Am I right on that, doc?
Yeah, yeah. You know, anyone that's a general therapist probably has a fair amount of training with anxiety, but there are people that specify like that uh, specialize with specific types of anxiety because, you know, we didn't even cover like sometimes, like I said, anxiety, anxiety can manifest differently. Sometimes like, you know, things like obsessive compulsive disorder, right, or panic disorder. All right, I'm going to stop you because you yeah. just start going down a rabbit hole here. All right. <laughs> no, I'm just saying I'm just saying there are specialists. And like, I just want to be clear, like we're just like anxiety is experienced very differently for a lot of different people. And sometimes the specific types of anxiety that somebody might be struggling with require more specialized help. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Doc, for all that you do for so many and for taking the time to talk to our listeners about these things. They are difficult. And if you're struggling with these things, please reach out to somebody. Uh, and uh, I will be talking to you again next week from Hawaii. Doc, are you ready for that? I'm going to have to figure out my time frames and figure out like, because I think Internet. a time different and like, am I going to have the interweb and be able to do that? But we're going to figure it out because I don't want to miss a week because a week without you, Doc, is a week I feel lost. <laughs> Just so you know. Good. Why, Good to you? know. I can't believe I tell you something so deep and you laugh. Okay, I'm done. Have a great God. week, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Doc, it was great to see you as always. So everybody out there, please be kind to one another. Things are really difficult right now. Don't forget to go get vaccinated. It is not a political thing. It helps your neighbor, helps your family, and uh, we all want to take care of each other. That's a lot of what this podcast is about. So uh, go and get vaccinated. Stay safe, stay healthy, and I'll talk to you again next week, Doc. Bye. Bye. This episode of the University of Pleasure was produced, directed, and edited by me, Jeremiah James. It was written by Dr. Tara Jansen and me, Jeremiah James. The University of Pleasure theme music was written by the incomparable Robert Feldstein. Additional multimedia support by associate producer Kyle Binkley. And please remember, we want to be as inclusive as possible of the diverse experiences of others here at the University of Pleasure. So please email us your suggestions for topics that might be suited to you directly, questions, feedback, or just really great sex stories at contact at universityofpleasure.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, please remember to like, share, and subscribe to all of our social media.